Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker, but more importantly, our guest, Nathan Grubel, aka Draft Deeper. Nathan, how's it going? Don't don't say more importantly. I'm not I'm not as good as you guys. Don't 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 be doing that to me. Oh, but God, it, here we go. Li- listen, listen, it's it's been a great day. I'm excited to join both of you boys for what seems to be a, a monthly exercise, no matter who's doing it. Everybody's got to put out a mock draft every month, right? Might as well be us boys. Exactly. And just for, for clarification, we are recording this while Keegan Murray is having his way with Michigan State in the first half. Rocker um, was late to the recording because he had to go watch Keegan Murray. Pretty much. He, he needs some personal time. Uh, but but R- 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 Rucker, how are you? How, how's life? I'm doing good. Life's good. Um, it feels good to get Nathan back on this this monster. We need to start doing this more often, especially with him, because um, he is the godfather of draft podcasting. So I'm very excited to do this exercise with you. Um, you know, it's been a minute since we did a mock draft podcast, but feeling good about this crew. I feel like this is going to be a, a very, very special episode. Yeah, last time we did this, we we had a bit of fun. We it got a little weird. Um, is this one's going to be a little more structured? We're just going based off of the the current standings, so no last minute tankathon simulations that throw <laughs> us off. We had a little bit of time to prepare and think about things. Um, we're just going to go kind of straight in the order. Uh, first Nathan, then Rucker, then myself, and we'll go through the entire first round. Um, but Nathan, as our guest at, with the first pick, you have the Orlando Magic. Which way would you go for the uh, Magic? You guys put all the pressure on me as the guest, giving me the first overall pick. All the pressure. So we know the issues with Orlando. They are they're interesting because they're essentially a tire fire, yet at the same time they sort of have multiple positions set for the future because of how they've drafted over recent years. But they still need to ultimately take the best player available because they're at the number one selection. They're, they're there for a reason. And I think at this point, the best player available in my eyes is Chet Holmgren. So I'm going to draft Chet first overall for Orlando. He would still be a really intriguing pick-and-pop partner with any of their guards. He continues to offer rim protection. He's that long, lanky defender that that front office is known for drafting at this point. 
and just his upside, as I wrote about on those ceilings this week, on both sides of the ball. As Rutgers talked about all year, as you've talked about all year, Metcalf, it's it, it's it's absurd. So I think you kind of have to take Chet first overall. Do you worry about the inevitable Mo Bamba comparisons, even though they aren't even close? No, no, I don't. I don't worry about that in the slightest. I I know some Magic fans might have some some PTSD uh, about that whole situation, as well as if Oklahoma City would jump up to number one and they take Chet, be pairing him and Poku in the same front court. I I, I get it, guys, but Chet Chet's Chet's a little different in terms of his skill level. He he is significantly different. Um, R- Rucker, is that the direction you would have gone for Orlando? Yeah, I think with with what Chet's doing over the last month or so, you just, I mean, he's been unbelievable. Um, I know there's plenty of guys on this entire mock draft exercise we're going to talk about that have been on kind of a heater, but Chet's just really, I think, separating himself from the pack. Um, You know, that might just be my opinion, but I I think adding him to Orlando, um, you know, Franz, Suggs, I mean, you're just going to have a nice little supporting cast right there. I, I think that's a slam dunk, and that would be a very good one. He just does too many good things on the floor. I, I mean, the three-point shooting's coming alive. I just think, you know, I've had Chet number one, and he's scorch mode lately, so I think it's good. Metcalf, what about you? Let's throw it back at you. You can't ask all the questions. What are, what do you think about that? Sure, I can. I, I don't have to have any concrete <laughs> opinions, and I can't get any backlash. Um no, I, I've had Chet number one all year. I, I think it's uh, it, it's pretty easy for me too. Um, I, I, I get the oh, classic Orlando just taking the long skinny guy um, complaints. I'm the one who cheated on him. I had Jabari <laughs> number one for for like a month, month and a half. So I'm the one who cheated on him. You guys have, have been in the in the Chet camp all year. Yeah. So so now we know where who who the loyal ones here are, and right. um, and we can proceed accordingly. At least uh, I. <laughs> I, I just I think like you guys said, it's he just does everything at such a high level. His understanding of how to play, um, his self awareness of who he is as a player, I think it's all just really special uh for that age and position. Um but with the the number two pick, the Detroit Pistons, Rucker, who are you going with? I'm going Jabari here. Um I just you know what he's doing this year some of the shots he's making, what he's showing on both sides of the floor, he's taking over some games. Like he, he really does have a chance to be the first pick. Um, and I'm not downplaying Paulo. I still think Paulo's in that conversation, but I do think my hot take is I, I think this is becoming a race for number two and it could even be a race for number three. Um, I just think, you know, it's Chet and Jabari right now and, and Paulo's still special. There's plenty of tools. There's plenty of, time still in which someone could heat up and really cause something. But, you know, if, if Jabari's the pick here, I think he still has one of this, you know, me and Nathan have talked about this before, like the transition he can have could be the most effortless when it comes to like, he could play multiple positions. He can impact on both sides of the floor. So I just think that would be a really, really good piece, um, especially with the second pick. So I'm going to keep it short and simple. What do you guys think? I mean, as far as Jabari Smith is concerned, I, I I get it that Detroit Pistons fans probably wouldn't be upset with any of those top three guys um, that, that have been projected there at this point through the year. But I think Jabari actually fits that team the best because 
I've had to flip on enough Detroit Pistons games this year to study Kate Cunningham for some of the writing I've done for No Ceilings. And when you watch the Pistons, they just don't have enough people on that team who can actually make a damn jump shot. It's 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 pretty criminal when you surround a passer and a unique talent like Kate Cunningham with so many what appears to be non-shooters or streaky shooters. Like even Sadiq Bay, for all the credit we give him, is like a plus three-point shooter. He will be incredibly streaky at times during games. And while Jabari Smith has been up and down, he was down for a few games, and now these last two games he's been on an absolute warpath. As Rucker was talking to us when he was watching the Auburn-Florida game this weekend, he came out in the second half and just obliterated everybody. So that's the type of shooter you're getting with him. He's just way too consistent to, to leave off the board at this point. And just giving Cade that pick-and-pop type of weapon that he can have in, in, in half-court situations where he knows where the ball – he knows if he's getting the ball out to Jabari, he knows that it's going to be going in, in turn. So that, that's the kind of player that he needs. I, I think it's the exact level of shooting and defense and competitiveness that you really want to surround and build around Cade. I, I think their play styles and personalities would me- mesh perfectly. Um, with the third pick, Houston Rockets are on the clock. Um, I, I'm going to take the guy who I think, at least in my eyes, has separated himself from the rest of the pack in this top three. I'm going to go with uh, Paolo Bancaro. Um I, I just if he hits and really hits his ceiling, I think he could be what the the most special player from this class. Um, I, I do think things there are a lot more things that are going to have to go right for him, but the improved passing we're seeing, I actually really kind of like his on ball defense. I think he moves his feet well and has good instincts there. The off ball and sh- off ball defense and shooting needs some work, um, but having him operate out of kind of like the elbow and the mid post with KPJ and J and green and even Shangun, I think that's a lot of passing and kind of creativity and scoring potential on that team. Yeah. You know, what's fascinating about this top three is you go through, you know, Orlando, Detroit, Houston right now. I do think like if Detroit was at one, like Jabari could be the pick regardless of the, if the fact that Chet's still on the board, like, I think that's interesting and, you know, if Houston's up there, like maybe Paulo gets the nod. I, I really do think these three guys, there's it's just going to come down to fit, which it always does with the draft. But I do think Paulo's offensive firepower, like the upside, makes him one of the more exciting players of this trio. Um, I really think that would be a fun fit for Houston. You know, if, if Jalen Green takes the next step next year, like we're, we're thinking, you get Paulo's offensive firepower – you know, Shangun's playing ability, like playmaking ability, like that could be a fun little group to develop. And I still think Garuba is going to turn into a nice little asset. You know, Josh Christopher, they're going to, they're going to have some young talent growing in the weeds. So I really do think Paula would be a nice addition for Houston. What about you, Nathan? Hit, hit us with some truth. No, I agree. And I, I as I kind of wrote about this week, I, I wanted to make sure I wrote enough words on Paulo because I think at this point he's become a little underrated. Like, He's been the guy. It's really funny. When I had Jonathan Wasserman on my show uh, about a month, month and a half ago, he was talking about how Chet might be the one out of these three to maybe fall if somebody else rose up like a Jay Nivey, for example. But now you look at the box recently, and it's been Paolo who's been falling out of this conversation. And and I'm looking around, I'm going, I, I get the appeal for a Jay Nivey or an A.J. Griffin or a Johnny Davis, but the NBA is so much now about size and skill 
I, I can't pass on somebody like Paolo in, in the top three. Like three is as low as I can go on him. And when you look at his fit with Houston, he would kind of give them a third score. They'd have a they'd have a legitimate scoring option at all three levels, right? We talk about Shen Goon developing as a post scorer, Jalen Green for for all that we think he can develop as a, a three level scorer. Right now, he's so much more comfortable pulling up from three point range. But then you add in Paolo, who's so comfortable around the elbow area and the mid-range. They they would have a legitimate offensive weapon at every single level. So I actually really like that fit offensively for, for Houston. And then they have – I think eventually in time they'll have enough defense around some of those guys. And Paolo, to his credit, he's not a bad defensive player either. People want to say that he's bad defensively. He's just not tremendous as the other two guys who were picked ahead of him but he's not going to completely obliterate your defense. Like I think he can be an average defender in, in the NBA, which at that point, given the offensive value he could add, I think that's that, that's going to be good enough. So I, I like Powell at three. Perfect. With the fourth pick, Oklahoma City Thunder, Nathan, who are you going with? I'm not going with Johnny Davis. So don't worry, Metcalf. He'll, he'll, he might still be on the board for you. Um, I, I am going to go with Jay Nivey. I, I think that – He's a great fit with SGA, and I know that myself included have wanted to see Jay Nive again more on-ball reps at Purdue at point guard. If he does have to share reps with another guard in the backcourt, I don't think that's a terrible thing. And he's proven at Purdue that when he is in an off-ball role, he can still excel as a, a de facto two-guard as well. And being able to share ball handling duties with somebody like SGA as well as if you do want him to get some point guard reps, he can kind of play backup point guard for you as well. You can split the minutes between Ivy and SGA. And I just think adding another dynamic offensive weapon like him in the backcourt is more of the juice that, that Oklahoma City needs. You could go front court, You could swing for the fences on somebody like Durant here. But I think Ivy at this point is too good of a talent to pass up here for. I completely agree. And I, I really hope that, he does play more off guard and more of a two in the NBA. Cause I just don't think his playmaking ability is there yet. Um, you know, maybe if he goes to a really bad situation and he's given the, the time to develop, I think he, eventually he could get there, but playing alongside playmakers like Giddy and SGA, I think would do wonders for him because we, we've seen how good he is in the open court and how hard he runs off screens. And I, I think, I do think he's a much better off ball shooter than on ball shooter. Um, and then just that athleticism and excitement, I think would be re- really, really good for that team. Is this kind of like your perfect situation for him then Metcalf? Like if you do want to try to develop him as a point guard, like give him reps with the second unit and kind of just see how it goes. I, I think so because I, I don't think they're looking to rush anything obviously there. Yeah. Um, and you know, he, he, he would be able to play maybe, maybe even like a dual point guard role because SGA his entire time there has played with multiple, you know, yeah, po- quote unquote point guards. So I, I do think Oklahoma City would be kind of the perfect developmental ground for him to really and allow them to really explore what type of player he's going to be in the NBA by putting him in all of these different roles. Him and Giddy in the open court, dear God. Can I be an asshole real quick? Sure. You, you always are, so go ahead. No, I was waiting for you to get – I, I softballed <laughs> that one up. Um, is Johnny a better fit there? Because what are we doing with Giddy? The, like, I feel like Ivy's going to need the ball. 
a good amount. Like I, I agree, he could. He, I would like to see him play off the ball. SGA, Giddy, I think is a dangerous playmaker with the ball. If we're putting Ivy there, is that a lot of? T- is that a lot of guys that need the ball in their hands? I guess I have I have thoughts, you know, but I, I can't I can't answer this question before Metcalf. Like this is this is his guy. He has to answer. No, well, I'm just I'm just trying to be honest here. You know, like we're we're spitballing. We're just we're throwing some names out because I do think this is a little weird spot for OKC if they're there because. He's not, you know, Pressy's done a great job adding horses to their backcourt, you know, and we haven't even mentioned Trey Mann, who I think's really starting to flash. Shout out Metcalf. I know me and you were high on him too, but I just think I love Ivy. I, I'd probably say that's the pick there, but I'm also just trying to figure out like, is that adding a problem in a weird way maybe i'm explaining that the wrong way are you all of a sudden putting like a lot of stress on like guys needing the ball in their hands and they have to figure out how to play off it you know what i'm trying to say maybe i'm just being a jerk i don't know <laughs> no sign johnny davis is my, my top rank guard so i i obviously wouldn't be against that pick by any means um but just the absolute home run swings that Oklahoma city seems to be taking and trying to infuse a bunch of versatility and playmaking across their entire lineup. I I think it makes some sense. Um, And like Nathan said, him and Giddy getting out and running and initiating transition would really help Um, just a bunch of young legs, a bunch of athleticism playing at a high pace, moving the ball. Um, I I get what you're saying. Um, but I'm probably but, also yeah. thinking OKC is like more ready to contend fast than right. they are. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, not insulting here, Thunder fans. Yeah, I'm, just but, try, I'm just spitballing here. I'm just trying here, to say here's, like, here, here's the thing where, where Rucker might actually be onto something, though. Is that, thank you. <laughs> happens so, like one, 60% of the time. It works every time. So I've, I've said for multiple years now, SGA is one of the most complete scoring guards that we have in the entire NBA. And if Johnny Davis hits to the point where Metcalf might think he's able to hit, where I've also said on podcasts with him that I think he might be able to hit two complete scores like that in a league where the playoffs are usually determined by your turn, my turn type of offenses with enough other ball movement or ball movers mixed in, like a Giddy, for example, that becomes a really interesting team in crunch time when you talk about SGA and Johnny Davis on the court at the same time. So, you might actually be on something with that. Yeah, I don't want to go too deep into that because I could probably talk another 20 minutes about it. So I'll... I'll we kind of have to save his evaluation for when he's picked, right? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I'm on the clock, correct, Mr. Metcalf? Commissioner, correct. Commissioner Metcalf. Um, I got the Indiana Pacers at five, and let's get this out of the way. I'm taking Keegan Murray, and I'm going to shock the world that I'm taking him that early. But I do like this fit a lot. And I do think this is a serious, serious possibility that Murray's going to be a player that could go even this high. Um, I know Metcalf's furious because his boy's still on the board, but I just think Duarte, Halliburton now, um, you know, if Miles Turner's there for now. Like, I, I do like the idea of adding another solid piece like Keegan Murray. I mean, that trio with Duarte, Murray, and Halliburton just seems like a fun group to grow with so i'll be a little crazy people can comment on youtube or dm me if they want and say you're insane but i I think this is a this is gonna be a guy who plays 10 plus years in the league and if you got that at five with his just 
two-way potential and ability to really make an impact offensively. Um, I just think Keegan Murray definitely could be a guy that goes this early. So you guys can now take the next 10 minutes to call me insane and check me into an insane institution. <laughs> I mean, Metcalf, I'll ask you this question. Like, if if they would make this pick and they take Keegan Murray, are they kind of trying to be like Memphis Grizzlies light? or like Memphis Grizzlies in the East, just trying to collect as many players who we know can play basketball and process the game at a high level. Like, is that honestly what they would be trying to do? Like, I actually think there, there are multiple different upside swings you could take with that pick. You could you could take Johnny Davis. You could take A.J. Griffin. I thought but about A.J. too, yeah. If, if they took Keegan, now you're just talking about so many guys in one unit who can just play the game and read the game at a high level like, that could all of a sudden be be quite a scary turnaround under Rick Carlisle. Yes, and I I don't think Keegan has as much upside as some of these other guys, but upside is also theoretical. And what Murray's shown all season is that he just produces night in and night out at a really high level on both ends of the floor. Um, and like you said, just his basketball IQ and understanding of where to be and where to move the ball and how to relocate, just all those little things – that have led to him being a 24 point per game scorer this season really contribute and really translate to the next level. So I, I don't really have any concerns about him sliding into an NBA starting rotation eventually, but you know, it's, it comes down to, do you, do you want that kind of surefire safer pick? Um, and I know safer sounds derogatory. Um, it's not, or do you want the absolute lottery ticket and the way that, Indiana seems to be drafting and seems to be building. It seems like they want these really intelligent guys who just know how to play the game and produce winning basketball on both ends of the floor. I'll tell you what, though, a lineup of like Brogdon, Halliburton, Duarte, Keegan, and Miles Turner, like there, there, there's, there's not many defenses that they probably couldn't crack and, and put points on the board. And then when you factor in, you know, Turner and Keegan both in the front court defensively. Duarte is not a, a terrible wing defender. Halliburton, I think, still has some more room to grow defensively as he continues to fill out, and we know how good Brogdon can be defensively. That just seems like such a safe two-way lineup. I, I get that they wouldn't have that quote-unquote number one shot-creating wing star that usually championship teams have, but at the same time, like that could be a team that piles up a lot of wins in the East. And and I get, like, for everyone that's doubting it, like, I understand, like, fo- when you're picking top five, you want to swing. You, you want to get some superstar upside. But I think that's also the territory where you're like, like a safe, a safe pick if there's ever such thing. You know what I'm trying to say? Like a high floor guy is going to be such an impact to a team like Indiana. And I think that's where Keegan Murray could just be a perfect addition, like piece to the puzzle with everything they've got kind of grooming right now. That's really something I just think big step in the right direction. I don't even, I can't even process the words of how much I would love that fit. So there you go. He's got 18 at halftime, by the way. So I'll just throw that out. <laughs> well, 
a, a team that I, I think is uh, needs a little more of a home run swing and a little more of a lottery ticket is a team that tried to make that swing at the trade deadline, the Sacramento Kings. And I could go Johnny Davis, but I hate that fit, and I don't want to do that to Johnny Davis. I was literally uh, just going to say, you're only not going to send him there because you just don't want to send him to Sacramento. You son of a Well, guy. and they, they've drafted like five guards in a row in the first round. Um, and they, they just moved out of guard. But I, I think A.J. Griffin is a better fit there and provides a lot of shooting, um, a lot of defensive upside. And I still don't really know what he is as an on-ball scorer. Um, I think there's a lot there to really like. But given his role at Duke all season, I don't think he's really been allowed to show it. Uh, I think it's the first Wake Forest game this season was the first time they really kind of took the leash off and let him just go do whatever. And he had some really absurd step backs and on ball creation flashes. So I think with his pretty proven high level shooting and then the overall upside, um, I I think he not only fills an area of need for that team, um, but then also gives them that long-term kind of upside hope. Go ahead. Go ahead, Nathan. You take this one. I mean, Obviously, I really like the pick. I was hoping that AJ would fall to number seven so I could draft him next, but or or Keegan Murray for that matter. But that that did not happen. So, but regarding AJ, I mean his his upside, he could end up being the best player in this draft class. Like, there's absolutely a world where that exists. So if you're mm-hmm. telling me you can get that level of a player with a sixth overall pick, somebody who fits with what that backcourt's doing. Um, with, with, with De'Aaron Fox, Davian Mitchell, that you have Sabonis added in the front court. You have a lot of guys who can move the ball around. And at that point, you need open shooters to be able to knock down shots. And the one thing that A.J. Griffin has done in spades is knock down a ton of sh- open spot-up shots. Like that dude, his, his percentiles on synergy, it's really funny. Like I had, when I did my podcast with Matt Penny, we were talking about A.J. Griffin, and he's like, don't read off the synergy percentiles. The dude's played like however many minutes, like they're not real yet. Like let's, let's kind of let this simmer for a little bit. You go look at the percentiles. They're still the same. Yeah. They're still they're, absolutely ridiculous. They're very real. So like at this point, he, yeah, his upside is like a top two or three player in this class getting him at six. That that's tremendous value. Nick cap. Well, with the, with the seventh pick, the Portland trailblazers are on the clock. Nathan, what, what direction are you going to go? We're the, this is where we're going to get your guy. We're, we're, we're going to get Johnny Davis for the Portland Trailblazers, regardless of if he plays next to Anthony Simons or Daniel Lillard, regardless of the direction where Portland ultimately goes in the offseason, if Dame's still there in the long term. I guess it's it's run it back with another C.J. McCollum type of player, right? I mean, Johnny Davis is bigger. He is definitely the better defensive player between the two. We can talk about some of the the issues that – some people have said may come up on the offensive end, but I, I'm still betting on his tough shot making ability. I'm still betting on when he's playing within an NBA offense and he doesn't have nearly as much responsibility on his shoulders. I think some of the other things are going to come around for him as well. Does he have the same ceiling as like an AJ Griffin or a Jay Nivey? I wouldn't say so right now. That's why I would have him at, at six um, on my current big board. But at the same time, He's, he's, in my opinion, absolutely a top seven guy. So I think at this point with Portland, we don't know where they're going to go. 
you have to take best player available. And on my board, that would definitely be Johnny Davis at this point. It's funny because I've kept joking that I, I'm convinced Johnny Davis is Brandon Roy's clone. So it would only yep. be fitting if he goes to Portland. You know, now Portland's going to be in a good spot after that CJ trade. They're going to have hopefully two picks in the top 10. Um, I'm making both of them. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so I, I do think that's this is the right call. This would be an absolute home run if this happened and Portland gets Johnny Davis at, at six. Or I just think absolute steal. Um, I love his game so much. I, I think Portland's going to be in a position where they just need to retool in a weird way. Um, I really do think Dame's going to stay around there. So let's start getting them some assets. Let's start rebuilding this. You know, they're going to have all that salary cap. Um, I'm sure they're going to be very active with trying to bring in pieces as fast as possible to contend. And they're going to be in a good spot with two picks, potentially in the top 10. And if you got one of the best guys in this class at six, um, absolute steal. I, I would think that'd be a great pick. Completely agree. I, and he's number four on my board. Um, so that Rucker, like you said, this is an absolute nice. steal in my eyes. Um, so it's the, the reincarnation of Brandon Roy returning to the trailblazers. I, I absolutely love it. Um, with the eighth pick San Antonio Spurs Rucker, who are you going with? Um, and I, I have to correct myself. They got him at seven. So even better value. Sorry. I'm trying to keep everything up right here. Uh, I was going to make a math joke, but I didn't want to roast you too hard on the podcast. No, I, okay. I already called you an asshole like five minutes ago. So yeah, we got to tone it down. Numbers are hard. Um, <laughs> you know, Metcalf, I, I'm going to do it. We, we talked about this. I just, I think this is his best landing spot. I'm going to go Jalen Duran here. Um, I just, I, I just think that, this is the type of team he needs to go to where the upside is legit. They have some assets already that he doesn't have to do much offensively. They could, you know, simplify things early on because Duran's going to be so raw. Um, I'm still convinced he could get in front of teams and end up moving up boards even after a nightmare year at Memphis, just because everyone's going to be so intrigued when they get to see him hands on and, in an open gym, and this happens every pre-draft process. Um, shout out the actual pre-draft terminology. Thank you, Metcalf. But, you know, Duran, the tools, the upside, the age, they're all going to come in, and, and front offices are going to be drooling. If he goes to a team like San Antonio where they could just be like, hey, you're in no rush. We're going to just trust us. We're going to develop you. We're going to take it slow, install some confidence in them, um, you know, Metcalf, we talked about this before, like Deontay Murray's becoming a star in the league. They've got some nice wings around there already like that are continuing to develop. So I think San Antonio, that would be a good spot. And I think that's worth the swing for an organization like the Spurs. I, I, I've talked at, ad nauseum about Duran on here. Um, Nathan, what what's your outlook with Duran? Because... Rucker and I have, have struggled. We we've gone back and forth. We see both sides of it. Well, where, where are you landing with him? I mean, so we, we all know the, the Memphis situation is really bad right now. We're just not going to get a clear eval on him this season. We knew that from, from the moment when I stepped into Barclays with Corey and saw him in Brooklyn, I, I just knew that, listen, this is not, this is going to be an up and down year. 
however, however you are, wherever you are about his eval preseason, that's probably where you're going to ultimately end up at the end of the season, or at least that's where you should end up. Just got to give him a clean slate when he gets to the NBA, bet on the ridiculous physical tools and see where he's going to be at as a player in year one. I, the interesting thing about San Antonio is that the biggest thing for Duran is not talent. It's motor. It's been motor all year long in Memphis. It's motor was a word that was used going back to high school. Is the war general pop exactly what he needs? Or do you think that there's a chance he might not respond to that level of coaching or, or that type of coaching? He might respond in a negative way. What do you guys think? Do you think that's what he needs or do you think that it might have the, the opposite effect? I mean, shit, it better work. Yeah. I don't know who else is going to get it out of them if it doesn't work there. Um, I, would, I would hope it works. It's just sometimes you have to think about the other side of the coin, too. Like if somebody is like a little more passive, a little more reserved, sometimes the the angry adult in the room isn't what they need. Like I, I don't know what type of coach he needs. It, it's there. Like you, you could see the passion when he had that stretch of games where all of a sudden like a – it was like a fire was lit under him and, and it was some big games. Like it was televised. It was some notable games. So maybe there's just something there. Um, you never know with, I think that just weighs on you too. When you're, you're at a place where you're struggling to win games, you're having a tough year, like with your whole team, not saying that you shouldn't be bringing it every night on the court, but I do think, you know, we, me and Metcalf have talked about this often. You have to keep going back to the age. Like he is younger than everyone. He's going to be younger than everyone in this draft. He's like still supposed to be in high school. So the maturity thing could be there. Um, I don't know. I, I think someone's just got to, they're going to do their homework. They're going to get some intel. They're going to get them in a place where they're going to be like, we have to put confidence in this kid. We have to build this up. Like you're building a house. It's got to be a foundation and put, you know, stories up. That's going to take some, some developmental stages. So I think just if the Spurs got their hands on them, you know, that's probably Chip England. Spot. Chip England to fix that jump shot. Yeah, exactly. Don't get Metcalf started on the jump shot. We've, we've traveled down a dark rabbit hole talking about that. I, yeah. And I, I think San Antonio would probably be the best possible spot for him. Um, but we, we, we've talked about him plenty. Um, so with the number nine pick, uh, the New York Knicks, I'm going to go with Benedict Matherin for them, provide some athleticism on the wings, some off-ball shooting. Um, I, I think there's some defensive upside there, but so much of that offense flows through very few guys. Um, I think they really need that off-ball shooting um, and just additions at the wing and that wing depth. And I think Matherin has been one of the most productive and impressive off-ball scorers in the country this year. Um, I was tempted to go Patrick Baldwin Jr., but that feels a little rich right now. Um, Rucker, I know you, you, you're the you're the Arizona guy. What what where are you at with Matherin? I think if the I think Knicks fans should be drooling at the mouth for that fit. Matherin would be an absolute home run pick at nine if you got him. Um, it's just weird. I don't I don't know if the co- coffee's kicking in or I'm sizzling on a hot take right here, but I feel like Matherin. Paulo, it felt every draft cycle we start to try to find guys that we're going to get excited about. We want the new guy that's getting hot, that's heating up. And I feel like Paulo and Masterin have just been like we know what they are. They've been really impressive this year. 
but everyone else is like, we're drooling over Jabari. We're drooling over Chet because they're just going on these impressive stretches. I, I think Matherin's been sensational to a point where I almost think you could say he's a little underrated as going in the top 10. Like, I, I just think he has the tools to be a really nice two-way player at the next level. Um, the offensive versatility is definitely taking a leap forward this year. I think he's showing some serious flashes of shot creation. Um, he's been the engine behind that Arizona team. I just think if the Knicks got a guy like this on their wings, who's feisty, who can pop with some athleticism, he can get downhill. Um, I, I just think that'd be a great value for rounding out the top 10. What about you, Nathan? Hit me with it. I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks need shooters who mm-hmm. at the same time would not completely sink everything that they built defensively. And we know they, they took a risk going after players like Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier in free agency last year and trying to bring them into the team. And we get the, we get the direction where they wanted to go. They were a defensive defensive minded team who needed some more offense some more scoring punch, some more shooting, but those guys just, they, they're just not going to give it for you defensively. And I know that Matherin's probably not going to be like an elite defender, but I think we can all agree he has a ceiling to where he's an above average NBA defender. And when you talk about the level of spot up shooting and transition offense that he can give you to keep meshing and flowing with everybody else, a team that I think if, I think if everybody was playing to their strengths, I think they'd be a little more of an up and down team than they've even been. So I just think I, I agree with Rucker. I think he'd be a great fit for that team. And I think he would give them what they really should have had this year on the wing. Well, Nathan, with the 10th pick Portland trailblazers back on the clock, who are you going with, 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 with their second pick? I'm going to, I'm going to drop a bomb on you guys. Well, may, maybe not on oh. you guys, maybe not on you guys. Um, I'm ready. I'm he, listening. I, I know ESPN just skyrocketed this guy down their boards, but I'm going to go Patrick Baldwin here. I love it. This is, This is, in my opinion, the best possible situation for Patrick Baldwin because what does he struggle? Well, first of all, he was on an absolute dumpster of a team this year in in Milwaukee. No no offense to the decision he made, the choice to to go play for his dad. I understand all of that. Um, And and I wouldn't necessarily tell him to, to do something different if that's what was in his heart. It's his decision. He needs to go where he thinks he's going to be happy. So keep that decision. But team context around him just wasn't great. And we can say what he want, say what we want about he's probably not a top five, top six player anymore in this draft class. But just because he's maybe not that number one do-it-yourself shot creator doesn't mean that he's still not a tremendous shooter for somebody his size at that 4-3, four, 3-4, three, three, four, however you want to classify his position spot. And if he's not that takeover type of guy and he is going to be primarily an open shot maker playing around guys like Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, I just drafted Johnny Davis for him. Yusuf Nurkic drawing doubles in the post. Like if this is, if this is where we're going to be going in terms of an offense, you need open spot up shooters. And I think that Patrick Baldwin would just benefit so much from having a little room to breathe and not having like two or three guys be able to hound him all at once and he'd have the open shots that he could get. And I think he would, it, it would do a lot of good for him. And in turn, he'd do a lot of good for whichever direction Portland wanted to go. So that'd be my pick for them. I, I love that fit. And the, the entire season Baldwin's obviously struggled. He hasn't had the season we all hoped he would, but I've always kind of 
thought that if the expectations for him entering the season were not necessarily as a primary initiator, the number one scoring option, but as like a secondary guy um, with still top 10 talent, I think the overall sentiment on him this season would be completely different. And in that's the situation you just laid out there, Nathan, that's exactly what he would be going into where he wouldn't be asked to do a lot. Like he obviously was this season at Milwaukee. He's just knocked down open shots, moved the ball, played good de- team defense. And I think that's all stuff that he, and you know, the limited tape we have on him this year, I think that's all stuff that he showed. I think if you're, if you're Portland and you're going to have potentially two top 10 picks and you got Johnny Davis at seven, yeah, this is the swing. This is the swing you need to take because nightmare year. Um, but we know how good Baldwin was when he was rolling overseas with, you know, team USA at FIBA scouts are going to know that uh, front office people, NBA personnel are going to know that. And that's the type of guy that you have a nice off season with bringing some people in to surround Dame. And then all of a sudden you install those two pieces to your offense. And my goodness, there's some offensive firepower ready to roll. I mean, Baldwin, they're just going to tell him, you know, we need you to be tall, stand in the corner. And when Dame's double teamed, we're going to throw you a wide open pass. Like, yeah, that'll give him some confidence pretty early. Um, But serious aside, like, I just think, yeah, he's had a nightmare year. This sucked. Um, But I really do think there's special shooting tools. I think the playmaking, you know, is really, really special. Um, I I think there's some serious upside there. So, yeah, I would love that pick. I mean, Portland – they have to nail these two picks. Like right. there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, regardless of what their direction is, whether it's keep those two guys and trade Dame and build around these two guys and Anthony, whatever other pieces they get back or try to build around Dame or even nailing these two picks and packaging them together with other stuff for somebody else for Dame, regardless, the two players that are made with these picks, they, they have to be, legitimate guys with significant upside. And we were talking at one point about Patrick Bowen being like a Michael Porter Jr. light. Uh, we, we've thrown out enough kind words about Johnny Davis and how special he is as a winner. Like if those two guys hit how we think they're going to hit, that's exactly what Portland needs to, to, to juice up that and then make Dame's life better or whoever else would be coming in and make their lives better. I think if any fan base said we left the draft with Johnny Davis and Patrick Baldwin Jr., you'd probably sign – a deal with the devil right now. And that's with Patrick's year. He just had, like, I think you would be so pumped up if you're a fan base. So that's, that would be a a heck of a haul for the Blazers in my opinion. Well, a a team that's gotten plenty of value out of their recent draft picks at number 11, the Memphis Grizzlies Rucker, who are you going with? I was waiting to see how long it would take me before I hated the board and I got to 11 or 10. Can we just talk about how stupid it is that Memphis has a lottery pick in, in this situation? Like this is, this is just ridiculous at this point. Three first round picks. It's called playing chess when everyone's playing checkers, Nathan. They're building a cathedral of championships. Good, They're getting good, ready to good roll. Grief. Um, so I'm sorry. I got to 11. I can't, I really can't do math tonight just because I'm used to all the other mock draft orders. Um, Memphis, you know, I, I looked at a couple names. I think they're ready to roll. 
I think Memphis is finally telling the NBA, like, they are ready to contend for years. I think all the young pieces are coming together, and they're going to be a force to to deal with. So I, I'm not going the direction of taking upside here. I'm getting someone that's going to come in and, and do some things right off, right away. I'm going to take Ochai Abaji at 11. It might be a little rich, but I, I think this is the type of pick that Memphis needs. They need this wing that can contribute. Um, there's going to be plenty of like Chris Duarte vibes from last year's class. Just the idea of a guy that could come in and, get buckets off the bench, but I think Abaji fits that Memphis team. Um, he could be a, a strong two-way player and shoot the shit out of the ball, and that's that's the type of asset the Grizzlies want to add to the roster and to their organization. And I'm not going to say that I believe they're going to make all these picks, so we never know what's going to happen, but I do think that would be the direction they go there. What about you guys? Is there any other name – that you think makes sense because I, I went back and forth with like Dyson Daniels would be intriguing here. No, let's just, let's just give John Moran another 40 plus percent three point shooter. Let's just great. Like, why great. not? Let's just man, man, mail it in. Why not? Desmond Bain and, and, and Abaji. Like let's have some fun. Why with not? That. I don't know. I, I just, keep, I think that makes the most sense to me. I don't, let's I just, looked at a couple just names. All the rest of the league. Great. Thanks. Mail it in. I, I, I think, that makes the most sense at that spot. You you get a guaranteed, or what I think is a guaranteed guy. I've been captaining the Igbaji hype train since he first set floor or set foot on uh, Kansas's floor his freshman year, um, and he's broken my heart every year. He's come back to school, but I he he just continues to add something new every single season. And he's such a smart player and a good team defender, a lethal shooter as we've seen all year. I think his personality, his play style, his ability to do a lot of different things fits in really seamlessly with that team. I agree. I, I, I don't mean to make all the good picks, but you guys are making it pretty easy. Um, Excuse me. We, you, you just agreed with me about how Portland Trailblazers might sell their they, – they, the fans might sell their soul to the devil about the tandem I just whipped up, so excuse me. <laughs> I got to give you guys all compliments. I'm at ELE, you know? Um, Metcalf, Washington Wizards yeah. at 12. Now we're getting really fun. So what are you doing? You have a weird definition of fun. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to go with Ty Ty Washington. Okay. Um, there we go. I, I, I really – He's grown on me a lot as the season has gone on. Um, I, I think he's going to be a really solid uh, pick and roll creator. I think he's a really impressive passer. He does the little things really well. Um, I think he's a legitimate three-level scorer. I really like his kind of intermediate mid-range scoring game. Um, and then that ability to play off ball as well alongside Beal. Um, I, I think it gives them a little more long-term, a little more viable long-term option at point guard. Um and hopefully he can play with a center who can call out a back screen every now and then. So, why wow, are we are we just crapping on Porzingis already? Like, is that is that what no? We're, that was that, uh, that, that, that was shots shots at Oscar for not ever calling out a, a lethal back screen and getting his point guard slaughtered every other game. I did not expect a Porzingis shout out during the mock draft, but I'm very happy that I was here to see it. Listen, I mean, for, for all for all the people who want to say that Ty Ty isn't capable of being like a primary option, a number one play initiator on an NBA team, we know Beal's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. 
We've gotten to see before the, the all-star break, we saw Point Denny being unleashed a little bit. That's fun. We know Porzingis is going to get plenty of touches either on open spot up threes or he'll get his post touches as well. You're kind of just asking Ty Ty Washington to play some pick and roll, pick and pop game with Porzingis and fit in around Bradley Beal and knock down open jump shots. And that's kind of what he's been doing best at Kentucky, right? Other than when he's been having his ridiculously high assist games, that's essentially what he's done. That's the role he's been asked to play. And I think that's a role he could really thrive in long-term while still having plenty of on-ball reps and opportunity to continue to grow that part of his game too. So I, I actually think in this top half of the first round, Metcalf was one of the best fits for Ty Ty. So great job. Perfect. Well, at number 13, Atlanta Hawks, Nathan, what direction are you going? I know Simon's going to listen to this podcast and he's like, my boy's on the board. Just take him. I'm not going to do it, Simon. I'm going to, I'm going to make my pick for your team's own good. You guys can score the living hell out of the ball, but you can't guard anybody other than Clint Capella and having to seemingly do everything from man in the paint. So let's get somebody in there who can play defense. Let's give you Dyson Daniels. Let's give you that connector piece who can keep everything moving within the flow of the offense. He can run out and transition, get those easy hit-ahead passes from Trey, finish in transition. Hopefully the jump shot will come around a lot more. We can hit those open spot-up threes. And he's going to give you a legitimate one through three defensive weapon on the perimeter alongside, hopefully, if DeAndre Hunter can get back to playing significant, you know, consistent minutes. Um, that, that would give Atlanta two really good defensive pieces to continue to have in the rotation and build around. So they, they, that's just, that's just what they need. They're, they're seemingly always up there in offense and they're seemingly always near the bottom on defense. So let's, let's fix that. Let's give them a young piece who can continue to, to add to his game and grow his upside in his own right. Let's give him Tyson Daniels. I love that fit. I, I think Daniels is a guy I've struggled with, but like you said, that that his defense alone immediately adds a ton of value to that team who is in desperate need of a lot of defensive help. At number 14, the Charlotte Hornets. Rucker, you're on the clock. So I've mocked one guy here pretty much the entire draft season, and I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to change it up. Um, I've put Mark Williams here a lot. As much as I love Mark Williams, I do think that could be a little rich. Um, I wouldn't hate it. I, I, I think that'd be a really nice fit. I just, I'm going to get a little crazy. I'm going to change it up. We're having fun tonight. I'm going to go Tari Eason here. Um, little bit of a little bit of a curveball by Tyler Rucker. Yes, I can hear it, Nathan. I just think with what Eason's doing, um, I still need to be completely sold on him. I think Nathan's probably right there with me, but the the tools defensively, um, the athleticism, the upside, I think that's a pretty good swing right at the end of the lottery. Um, you know, adding him with what they've got going on in Charlotte, they're still in a position they just need to keep adding assets, keep adding hands to the mix. I know this is a little bit of a wild card, like I said before, but I do like the intrigue there. Um that could be another direction. I'd probably still go Mark Williams, but that's that's definitely one that I'm I could see it happen. You guys talk to me about it. No, I mean I I don't know if there's necessarily a ton to add there, but I will say Lamelo, Miles Bridges, and Tari Eason in transition 
It's a yeah, lot of fun. Good, good, good luck, NBA. Good yeah, luck. have fun. You know, it's fun to watch people fly. And they, they, they're another team that needs defensive help as well. And Tari would give them that space. Absolutely. And Rucker, I'm glad that you brought up Mark Williams because with the 15th pick for the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's exactly who I'm taking. Um, I think he just provides immediate rim protection, rebounding. I think he has the best hands of the center class. I love how he runs in transition. Um, I dove into his pick and roll defense, which I think is incredibly impressive. Um yeah, so Mark Williams, any gripes? No, I, I mean, if you if OKC's after their two first two picks is um, going to have Jaden Ivey and Mark Williams, it's a pretty damn good first round so far. That would just be an, a nice, nice piece for the Thunder, um, especially with all that offensive firepower already blooming. Um, no, I'm not talking about Poku. But, I mean, that makes Mark Williams just a really nice asset moving forward for that team because he can just – he can do the dirty work. He can do exactly what his strengths are, which is exactly what he's doing at Duke this year. He's making plays on the boards. He's being a rim protector, and um, that would that would be also a position where you put him with SGA and Giddy and with his soft hands, like you said, Metcalf, I think he's got pillows for hands. Like, they would have a lot of fun with that big man. So, I, I like that pick. What about you, Nathan? Yeah, I don't hate the pick. Um, Uh-oh, here I, he comes. Here he I, comes. Here no, he I'm, ju- I'm, just but... not as big, I'm just not as big of a Mark Williams guy as, as I am a Walker Kessler guy. And okay, that's, that's uh, fine. I kind of made that known the last the last few months. I, I I understand the intrigue around Mark Williams. I watch as many two games as you guys do. He just – I don't know. He'll have the highlights, yes, but he – I never – I never finish watching a game and I'm just like blown away. Like, wow, Mark Williams, man. Like I never just like get taken back by like everything that he's doing. Um, and for, from like a game on a game, to game basically like, the end of the game, like, wow, Mark Williams, man. Like he, he really blew the doors off that game. So I don't know. That's just me. That's just a personal thing. So I might go a different direction with that pick, but I, I understand if you're buying into the highest of highs of Mark Williams, it's, it's not out of, out of the realm of reason to take him with like a mid first round pick. Go ahead, Metcalf. No, I was going to move on to the next one. So if you got more Mark Williams, no, love I'm, not, or debate, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Let's let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Right. And number sixteen, Houston Rockets have their second pick. Uh, Nathan, who are you going with? I'm so torn. I'm torn between two guys. Did you just really want Mark Williams to be on the board? No, <laughs> no, that's not where I was going to go. I'm kidding. We like that fun here. Okay. I'm going to go Kendall Brown. I think that's the um, right pick, Nathan. I'm, I'm going to take the swing on the upside. I'm going to take the swing that a lot of the defensive concerns are ultimately going to wipe themselves away with the right coaching. And him, offensively, the, the shot making is a question mark, but I'm, I'm going to buy the jumper long term. think it'll be there and him keeping the ball moving within that offense with some of the other offensive pieces they have and some of the other passers like a Shane Goon or a Jay Sean Tate. I like that pick. I, I, I really wanted to go Beauchamp as well. But I, I think I'm just going to take the upside swing with Kendall Brown. At number 17, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Tyler Rucker, who are you going with? I can't believe I've got your team. I thought you were going to like try to message me and be like, can we switch? No, no I, 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 I'm, I'm too close to the situation. I, I prefer it when, when, when other people. 
I just thought of a curveball on the top of my head that would probably make Metcalf the happiest person ever, but I'm probably just going to piss you off instead. Um, How exciting. <laughs> oh, man, I kind of want to make you happy. You know, no, I'm going to do it. I'm taking Jaden Hardy. I'm doing it. Um, getting Getting another offensive <laughs> upside guy. I just think they need some more. You need some firepower, Metcalf. I know. I know exactly who you wanted me to take. You wanted the me to player? take. You wanted me to take <laughs> Suhan. I know it. I can feel it through the screen. Hardy's going to be fine, folks, and he's going to go to a system where he doesn't have to be thrust into action. He can develop. Anthony Edwards is going to sprinkle his little confidence into him, and he's going to be fine to roll. And that's going to be a dangerous asset loaded in the wings. Um, Pat Beverly also might just say. Hardy has to become his best friend. He doesn't have a choice and he's going to be fine. So yeah, I think the swing right there is worth it. I mean, you're talking about getting Hardy at seven. Is it 17? Yeah. Come on. You guys, everyone get back on board. I'm, I'm tired of living on this street by myself. It's been lonely. I still have him in the lottery. What are we Thank you. About? I do too, Nathan. That's because we're smart human beings. The, the fit the fit just wasn't there for me to take him to Atlanta. I just don't think that he's who Atlanta needs. But No, and, and I get everyone's doubts, um, hesitations this year. I know we all wanted to see, like, this lethal shooter. He's struggling from outside. But, you know, um, I think Adam Spinella today, he did a great job. He went down a rabbit hole and put stats together for all the G League guys because the G League stopped keeping track of their stats, which is really helpful for the draft community. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's interesting when you look like all of those prospects are really struggling from outside. So that means that spacing's not great. And I'm not saying Hardy doesn't have open looks. He doesn't take some tough shots, but I do think, I think this could be the same Patrick Baldwin situation where this has just been a tough year. Um, we don't need to over, you know, freak out about it. But I think that's worth a swing. If you're getting a potential home run at 17, I like it. So you could tell me, Metcalf, what you would have done seeing you're the diehard fan and I let you down tonight. But I He's going to tell you with his next pick probably. Yeah, so I, I would have gone – Jeremy Suhan or Max Christie there. Um, Called it, folks. I know my I, co-host better than he knows himself. <laughs> and and Jeremy Suhan is exactly who I'm going to go with at 18 for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I, I think his basketball IQ with his defensive upside, playing him alongside the defensive potential of Jalen Duran um, and DeJounte Murray, I think that would be a lethal defense. And I, I do think the outside shot comes along slowly but I, I think he'll get there where it's at least a, a legitimate tool um he's a really good passer good cutter great rebounder i just there isn't this one overwhelming skill that he has but it's kind of similar to keegan murray where he just executes a lot of things at a really high level um every night so with with his youth and that kind of two-way versatility i i think he would fit in really nicely with the spurs put put max christie down right after that that's Love that it. that is gonna be my other pick for for the Spurs. Let's let's just give the Spurs all the guys who don't necessarily fit together, but they do, but nobody's good enough to be the starter there long term, but they might be, and let's just give them the weirdest team possible to try it out every night with good I, value. I, 
I, I love that Max Christie pick. Um, I know the percentages don't say it right now, but I think he ends up being one of the best shooters from this class. Uh, I really like his on-ball defense, too. I think he's going to be a lottery talent, and that is how I have him ranked. So with at 18 and 19, the Spurs go with Jeremy Suhan and Max Christie. At number 20, we have the Denver Nuggets. Rucker, you're back on the board. Where are you going? Um... I'm looking at two names. Denver Nuggets. I'm going to give them another forward with some offensive weaponry. Do it. That, that can space the floor. Do it. That's heating up a little bit. I'm going to give them EJ Liddell. Oh. Yeah. I am – yeah, yeah. Jovich Jokic. Yes. Come on, man. You have no, I'm not. We can't put Jovich and Jokic on the same team. It'll be broadcast hell. I, I will. Want, we will I all have to start. Bad. No, we'll have to start therapy for the Nuggets broadcasters. I, we can't I do want that. All of those Denver. No. Hell. I'm telling you right now, we can't do that. Silver's gonna like message the league and be like, we can't. We. I'm sorry, <laughs> we can't do it. They will go through. They'll have to have therapy lessons. No. I, I think Liddell could be intriguing there. Um, the only the other name I was thinking of was Trevor Keels, but I'm trying to change up these mocks because I've been putting some guys in similar spots. So Liddell's been heating up. He's been really putting up some impressive production for Ohio State this year. Um, you know, a little undersized for a power forward, but I think the, the feel and the offensive versatility, he can really shoot it. Um, he can space the floor from deep. And he's got some pop. Like, he has some sneaky athleticism that really jumps at you. So, I think adding him to the mix, um, just bringing in someone that knows how to play the game and can really fill it up in a hurry, that's another asset to the rotation for the Nuggets. We can't do Jovic and Jokic, guys. I, I can't I can't even go to I'm Google Images. I'm rooting to, for it so hard. No. I can't even go to Google Images without them saying, did you mean Jokic? I'm like, no. I meant Jovich, learn about the draft. Where would you guys go there? Nathan, go ahead. Besides Jovich. Liddell's a great a great pick for if they want to get somebody in the draft who they think is going to contribute right away next year. If yeah. they were going to go the upside route, Bryce McGowan's would be a really intriguing upside pick for them. If they just wanted to, to cash in on something like that or like a Blake Wesley – one of those two guys, in my opinion, would be intriguing upside swings. Um, but but maybe the plan is to get somebody like Liddell. Metcalf, you son of a gun. I just saw <laughs> who you wrote in. You son of a gun. So I, I, I prefer his fit with the team that you're picking at 22, but I'm on the clock at 21, so I can't worry about what you're doing. The Dallas Mavericks, I'm going Walker Kessler. Um, I, I think it immediately provides – that rim protection that they just lost with Porzingis. Shout out Porzingis for the second time for some reason tonight. Stop um, it. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I mean, he, he has, uh, according to Bartorovic, uh, he has the best block rate in the history of the country. Um, I believe their database goes back to 2008. Um, Is that good? I mean, he, he, he's a menace at the rim. Uh, and then I think he's a, a really quality vertical spacer. And if you buy the shot from outside, that's a pretty lethal um, ver- and versatile center. Uh, I, so, I was agreeing with you. I was just thinking of my next pick. Sorry. Um, 
Nathan, why are you so high on Kessler? Why? Yeah, I, need, I, I believe I need, you're the highest. On, I need this. Us. I need. I need this question asked because I, I like Kessler, but I, I'm still. Yeah. I haven't jumped in the pool yet. I'm still feeling out the water. I I I, truth, I truthfully think this guy has a chance to be a, a Brook Lopez like how he is in Milwaukee right now, a plus version of that because I think he is better athletically. Does he have all of the low post savvy that Brooke had in, in, in when he was in Brooklyn? No, but the player that Brooke is right now is actually a really valuable center. Um, I, I guess the the counter to that would be, well, if Walker's going to die in, in drop coverage or different pick and roll coverages the same way that Brooke can at times, then maybe that's not as valuable a player as I'm projecting. Um, but as, as Metcalf said, a lot of the defensive statistics, his block rates, he is ridiculous swallowing up opposing players around the basket. And then offensively, I think he gives you enough efficient offense around the basket in different off-ball play types, whether he's running out in transition, whether he's rolling to the basket, cutting. And then you factor in the jump shooting is going to come around. I really believe that it's going to come around. The mechanics, in my opinion, I don't think they're that far away from being there. And he's at least confident to continue shooting. And I think as long as he keeps working on that shot and gets the repetition in, I think that he's he's not going to blow the doors off from three point range, but I think he's going to be a, a certainly reliable enough floor spacer from that big man spot. I just think he would he would have been a perfect fit for what Milwaukee wants to do. If he's Brook Lopez 2.0, then why not learn from the master? Um, but I think regardless, that's a great pick for Dallas because they they need a big man after Porzingis goes out, and in my opinion, he's the best big man in this draft. Well, so, so, since I snaked your pick for the Bucks at 22, you which know what? direction you, are you going to pivot? You did. You did. But you know what? That's fine. Screw you. Because now <laughs> I'm going to go in a potentially even better direction. So what are the Bucks really good at? They're good at transition offense and transition defense. Who's the best wing in this class, in my opinion, both transition offense and transition defense? It's Marjan Bochamp. I'm going to give him Marjan Bochamp. Why not just continue to add more pieces to what they actually are really good at on the court? And if, especially if the open shooting comes around, like it has been lately for G League Ignite, I got to see him up close in Delaware. And I'll tell you, he was hitting some jump shots that like I saw on film and in a few games that I watched leading up to it, he is getting really comfortable with those one, two triple pull-ups and those open corner threes. So I think that would actually be a great fit for Milwaukee. So screw you, Metcalf. I might have gotten an even better pick out of it. That well, would be I, such a good fit for him. Sorry, go ahead, Metcalf. I would just love that for um, Bochamp going to yeah, going no, Milwaukee. I, I, I agree. And Nathan, I think in our group chat, we kind of went back and forth on Bochamp a, a little bit ago. But I think in this role where all he's asked to do is – run in transition, knock down those yep. open catch and shoot threes that that'd be absolutely perfect for him. So I'm, I'm hesitant to buy in on Beauchamp, but in that type of role with that type of established play style, I, I think that's absolutely perfect for him at 23. We have the Indiana Pacers Rucker. Who are you going with? I didn't know. I was literally becoming the biggest Indiana Pacers fan of all time <laughs> after this draft, but um, I'm going to get him another guy that can just, Fucking play basketball. I'm going to get them Trevor Keels, and we're going to go to war with anyone on a, on a nightly basis. Um, Hal Burton, Trevor Keels, Keegan Murray, Miles Turner, Chris Duarte, uh, 
check ball. That's it. That's my analysis. Go ahead. I don't know why no one loves Trevor Keels. It drives me insane. It keeps me up at night. It keeps me drinking coffee and watching film at 3 a.m. I mean, you guys, uh, I'm going to get a Keels jersey before the draft even happens. We, we keep thinking the shooting's going to come around for him, bro. It has like, been. Are you going to pull up some numbers? I'll pull has up it? some numbers. Yes. Like, shout out, shout out Mavs draft. I'm about to go down that rabbit hole right now. He posted it the other day. I, I get the Luke Dork comparisons, which no, like, he's Marcus there Smart. All along. Off that Marcus Luke Smart. train. Marcus Smart. He's Marcus Smart. We need, at, at, if you're getting him in the 20s, you're getting a piece to the puzzle that's going to play basketball in the right way. Where the heck is well, that? Well, maybe piece? that is a comparison because Marcus Smart can't shoot the ball either. So hey, go. stop it. He worked on it, and he's fine. <laughs> Trevor Keels in February, 13-5-3 on 47-46. Come on. Okay. Believe. We believe. Not saying I hate the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's gonna. he's going to be one of the youngest guys. He's a we, we don't hate. Listen, listen, we don't hate prospects here. Everybody no, ELE. But I being serious. Oh my God, Metcalf, you're giving me a stroke with this next pick. Oh my. Hey, God. I'm not done with you two yet. I'm not done yet. I have a bone to pick. One of the youngest guys, scary upside, impacts the game in multiple ways. Defensive pests. That is a great addition to the roster at that point in the draft. I think that is a fantastic addition. So now you may proceed. <laughs> oh, okay. I've been having some chest and back pain over the last like <laughs> and a half. And this is, this, boy, this pick is not helping. Go ahead, Metcalf. What is it? All right. At 24, Brooklyn Nets. I'm going to go Iver- Iverson Molinar. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I like it. It's, I, I have no idea what to do with the Nets, <laughs> um, but I, I, I love Molinar's game. Um, I, I think he's a really good passer, um, especially once he gets in the mid-range. I love his scoring and passing from there. I like his on-ball defense, and then he can play off-ball. His open catch-and-shoot numbers are really impressive this season. Um, And I don't think – or with that Nets team, I don't think he would be asked to do too much, and he would be able to kind of fill in on the edges where they need. So Nathan, go ahead, roast it. Why? Why do you hate it? I, I, I don't hate it. It's not like I don't like Molinar as a player. Like Metcalf, you and I were going back and forth in, in group chats, and I've given Mavs draft his his absolute due for being on the Molinar train for for quite a while. It's do do I think it's a little early for somebody like him? Maybe that that's probably why I wouldn't like it as much. I think he'd be much better value in like the early to mid second round i'm probably a bigger if you're going to take a swing on an older point guard who's not one of the the freshmen that we've been tracking for first round grades all year long i'd probably go like alondez williams over iverson moliner i think he has a little more upside but in terms of steady point guard play backup for years to come spot starter like that type of guy i mean every playoff team does need that guy and it's the question of do you think you can find somebody in the draft who would be on a much more reasonable contract potentially than somebody who you might be paying a little more for in free agency, or are you going to go out and try to find a veteran in, in the free agent market to fill that role? And if Brooklyn could get somebody like that on the cheap because their cap situation is just going to continue to be a mess, then that might actually not be a terrible pick. Just, just, just gives me, just gives me a little like, Oh crap. Like he's taking him at 24. Like, you, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it, it, it's a little rich. Um, I, I would be kind of surprised if he goes that high, but I I understand I think, why you did it. I understand yeah. why you did it. I love well, him. I don't. I don't think it's that insane. I love him, but I I always think there is a guy that goes a little earlier than we're like, whoa. But um, it's it's rich. But I do love Molinar a lot. So I, I respect the the go, putting your neck out there, Metcalf. I like it. Well, at, at 25, the Memphis Grizzlies are on the clock again. Nathan, who are you going with? So Memphis Grizzlies first time around got Ochai Baji. Let's let you let's give him another shooter. Let's just give him another one. Screw it. Let's just give Memphis all the shooters in the league. Let's give him Caleb Houston. Let's just keep riding the train. Like, good God. Like Memphis can make all of these picks and they the, the rich can just keep getting richer. Like Caleb Houston in a much better situation than where he's at right now. No, no offense to your Michigan Wolverines by half, but just putting him in an NBA system with so many other shot makers around him. Like if, if John Moran, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, and, and player, whoever else you want to name are on the floor. Like you're telling me that like teams are going to be able to give that much attention to Caleb Houston. Like he has somebody always seemingly face guarding him in college right now. Like that's probably not going to happen. And we know the stroke looks good. So yeah, I think that'd be an absolutely home run fit for him. I, I love the fit. I think it just help him simplify his game and not worry about doing too much. And then also allow him to really focus on development and not, like I said, forcing things. Next up, we have the Miami heat at 26 Rucker who you got. Um, I'm going to take one of my favorite risers that I think this is probably the perfect place for him to end up. I'm going to take Justin Lewis. Um, I think this would be a really nice landing spot for him. Um, he's he's really come on the second half of the year for Marquette. I like the tools a lot. I think there's a serious basketball player that's still scratching the surface there. Um, you know, I, I need to dive in more on his defensive game. I think there's definitely some worrisome like fundamentals he's going to need to iron out, but I do think going to a team like Miami is going to really fix that in a hurry. You know, Jimmy Butler will probably have that fixed before you get to training camp. So I just like the outside shots really coming along. Um, the offensive games really looks strong and he's, he's a tough SOB. Like he's, he's a big boy. So I think, Miami getting a guy like that um, as much as I want to give him another shooter. That's my favorite joke of the draft cycle, but I think Lewis would be a great developmental piece that really has some serious upside. Nathan, do you have any burning Justin Lewis thoughts? I don't. I I, I think this would be as, as Rucker said, another great fit for Miami. They're in a place where they can take a swing on, on somebody like him and just giving him developmental reps. He could be another um, really good pick and pop type guy with, with, with Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. So I, I, I would agree with the pick. Perfect. At 27, the Chicago Bulls, I'm going to go with Musa Diabate, power forward from Michigan. I, I think he provides some defensive versatility, some interior toughness and rebounding and interior scoring that they kind of need um, and gives them another long-term option at the forward spot. Um, again, maybe a little rich. He may be one of these guys who ends up coming back and trying to really boost his stock for next year's draft and having a big sophomore season. But I, I, I think there's so much to love with Diabate's game and his defense and his motor. At 28, Nathan, 
the Memphis Grizzlies back on the clock. Who you got? If you don't do it, I'm doing it. I'll tell you that right now. If you don't do it, I'm doing it. I don't even know who you're talking about. Yeah, you, do. you should. Because do it's going to be electric. <laughs> so if I'm trying to be realistic, the Memphis Grizzlies are not going to roster three rookies next year. Correct. So they're going to go draft and stash. So I apologize for not getting on the train for this guy sooner. You guys know exactly where I'm going now. Gabrielle Prochita. Yes, Rochita, Rochita, Gabrielle. <laughs> this dude, guys, holy shit. As, he's, so, as, he's so fucking good. As, if you haven't audience, watched him, for everyone listening, I don't mean to interrupt Nathan, go watch him. He is fun. And this, yeah, this will probably be. Sorry, as, go ahead. As the, audience is, as the audience is going to hear on, on my podcast, Draft Deeper, I just had Rafael Barlow on. We talk about Prochita. I, I had not gotten a chance to study him up until this past weekend and, and when I recorded my podcast, but that just goes to show you, like, we don't, we don't do this as just as we were talking about before the podcast, like we don't, we don't get to do this as our number one full-time job. So sometimes we have to move guys around our boards because we just hadn't gotten a chance to study them. But as I'm getting some more time to dig into some of these international prospects, I watch Prashida and I go, okay, Six six wing score, prop most likely a two guard, but has some defensive chops. Ridiculous two foot bounce, shooting lights out from all over the floor. It's like, what can he? What what can he do that Bogdan Bogdanovich can do? And that's the question I continue to ask myself. And as Metcalf and I were talking about, like the more I dig into it, the more I think that like. There, there's a chance in some respects this guy could be even better than him in some aspects offensively. So, like, this is the type of guy that you want to draft and stash late in the first round. Yeah, I'm, I'm in love. Um, I think the more you watch, the more you fall in love. There, He's got one of the prettiest jump shots, I think, in this class. That thing is gorgeous. It's got beautiful rotation, and he will – sneak up on you with some athleticism. I mean, he can dunk on people left and right. I mean, and he's got a strong frame to, that looks like it's going to put some some really good weight on. Like, he's got a good foundation already. Yeah. Um, I think he's like 6'7", 190, but when you look at yeah. him, he's he's ripped. Like, he, he's not like a twig. It's like there's going to be some some good weight been put on that. So, we, I mean, we all agree that, like, if they're if we're talking about like actual sleepers, like this guy's a legitimate sleeper yeah. in this class. Yes, um, that's that's a real one. Like that is a real fun one. If you anyone listening, if you haven't watched, just have a fun night. Watch him because there's getting plenty of fans at no ceilings. It, it's funny because we all kind of you know, like Nathan said, this isn't our full time job yet, but we try to make it as full as we possibly yep. can and when we all get around on one guy and all of a sudden it spreads like a wildfire. It's like, have you guys watched him? And then everyone's jumping on board quickly. I know Metcalf. And I find out Metcalf already had him. Yeah. First round yeah. on his board. So he beat us all to the party, but yeah. that's fine. Yeah. And I, I, I have proceeded at 20. Um, yeah. And I, I, I know Corey's, that. I know Corey's in love with him too. Um, yeah. I, I broke down his scoring over on no ceilings uh, last Friday. So make sure to go read that, but yes, absolutely go watch him regardless. He is so much fun and pretty easily my favorite international prospect, but at 29, the golden state warriors, Rucker, who are you going with? Um, 
I need to apologize for some people out there that he's still on the board, but I'm going to get, I'm going to go crazy. I'm taking Nikola Jovic to the Golden State Warriors at 29 and let's just, let's have a swing folks. Like I think that could be another just great asset. Um, You know, I know Golden State's in a position right now where every fan listening to this is like, Hey, we need to, get guys that can contribute right away because we got the Steph, Draymond, Clay years windling down. But you get Jovic at 29, and you have that upside with Kaminga, and I still believe in Wiseman. I mean, my goodness. I thought about him 10 picks higher. Yes, I, and I've been so thinking think about that. 10 picks he difference. could go anywhere. I think he could go anywhere late, late lottery and on. And I think that's a, a good swing because someone's going to be a fan. Someone's going to be a believer. You're talking six ten with those tools and that upside and shooting ability. Like some, just because he went late here doesn't mean we don't think highly of him. Well, it's you should have taken him 20 to Denver, but you know, it's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, fun. I could have, but I'm looking out for broadcasters <laughs> around the world. So, um, but I, I really do think, like, I like Jovich. The more I've watched him this year, he had a slow start. He's really starting to come on. The outside shot has really been impressive lately. I think there's definitely some serious upside. I could see him slipping a little just because teams might be convinced that it's going to be a, a bit more of a developmental process than some might be ready for. But I do think the playmaking, the size, the, the feel, they're all legit. So, yeah, I can't pass that up. Not at 29 as much as I wanted to go Christian Braun there (laughs) to round to finish off the first round the Oklahoma City Thunder are back on the board again um I again I'd be kind of surprised if they end up keeping all of these but we went center earlier as well as guard so I think I'm gonna go wing and I'm gonna go with one of the fastest rising um freshmen I'm gonna take a swing at Malachi Branham um he has been on absolute fire all year and it doesn't feel that fluky because he's just kind of consistently built on everything he was doing earlier and just really putting it all together. Um, I, I think he's a really good passer. I think he's a versatile defender, good off ball shooter, not much of a space creator, but given the scores and guys who need the ball on that team, um, I think he'd provide some really quality wing defense and off ball scoring. That's the name that's heating up. That, that is the name that is really sizzling. And I think a lot of, we talked about him before we started this and we all were like, everyone's assuming he's going to come back and be a breakout guy. Like, why couldn't he be this year? Like, why couldn't he be in this class? Because I still believe that there is a range in this draft that teams are looking for someone to plant their flag. Like they're looking for someone to come up and be like, Hey, I'm worthy of, of being in this class. Like I have the upside and it, it looks like he could be that guy. What, what are you thinking, Nathan? I, mean, I haven't watched too much of him. Like that's the one I wrote down right away. Like, okay, I got to add that to my list. This whole like pre-draft conversation, like yada, 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 like whatever, you know what, if you're going to be drafted in the NBA, especially in the first round, you need to show at least one to two translatable skills that we know if a coach looks at you on a bench He's going to be able to bring you into the game and count on you for those things so that you can continue to actually get better at playing basketball and improving and rounding out the rest of your game. Because the only way you get better at playing basketball is playing basketball. And Branham, we can pick apart some areas of his game where he might not be ready to step into yet, like 
different creation aspects. He might not be the most sound defender from the guard spot, although I think he certainly holds his own defensively for Ohio State. But mm-hmm. he has shown that he is an on-ball and off-ball scorer slash shooter. And those skills, you, you, you break down his mechanics, you break down how he takes his shots, his shot selection, those things are going to translate to the NBA. They make him a legitimate prospect, especially when you factor in the numbers and how efficient he is. So I don't view him as like this, this borderline bubble prospect. I think he absolutely is one. And this is probably the range he goes on draft night, somewhere 26 to 30, unless he really catches fire in workouts and he all of a sudden rises to like the top 20. But this is probably a reasonable range for him to go in. Uh, I know we're going late, but we have to talk about some guys we didn't yes. mention. And everyone listening to the podcast that is here for the mock draft, they don't give a shit about how late we're going. Well, if you so do a podcast with me, you better be buckling yeah. up for two I mean, hours. come on. So Everyone's here. We know what we're here. We all know why we're here. So, I mean, we have to mention some guys that didn't get picked because I think it's important. And Montero is probably the name um, that caught my attention personally. Um I'm still trying to figure out where he's coming off the board because I do think he's going to be a first round pick, but I, I, I think this is becoming one of the more fascinating storylines of the draft is we have to figure out what's, what's his range going to be with his situation. So I just wanted to put that one out there. Any other guys you're thinking of or any thoughts on Montero that didn't get selected? I mean, just listing off some guys, Peyton Watson, Usman Diang, um, Kennedy Chandler, also mm-hmm. in the point guard bow, Wendell Moore, Christian Brown, Jordan Hall, Harrison Ingram has been a really popular name on, on mock drafts. Those are probably the guys who would rightly so be in the conversation back into the first round. Um, one guy who I've really grown on, I know that, that Metcalf likes him as well as Kamigate and Rutgers, yeah. you've obviously written about him. And those ceilings, I think he's a guy who really has a chance to be in the back end of the first round. Um, really challenging, in my opinion. I, I I guess you guys are much bigger Mark Williams fans than I am, but I really look at Kamigate's game and I look at Mark Williams, and I seriously ask myself, who's who's the better prospect? And I think it might actually be Kamigate. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I saw that look that Metcalf wanted to give me, but maybe I'm maybe I'm insane. But I, I just think he's way more raw as a defender and gets lost in space where Mark Williams is always on balance and kind of just flowing with the play and ending up in the right spot. Um, But I I, I definitely get the intrigue with Kamigate. I I think his offensive ceiling is a lot higher than Williams, um, especially if that shot comes around. I don't have a ton of faith in it, Um, but the, the, the way he, the way he can be used out of um, the pick and roll, I think is a, a, a little more versatile. Um, I, I think another name to note is Jalen Williams from Arkansas. He's been kind of climbing up boards too. If he has a big March Madness tournament, um, it won't surprise me if he sneaks into the first round. Um, Can't do a mock draft podcast without mentioning my guy, Josh Minot in Memphis. So nice. He's do, you, nice. do you think he goes back or do you think he stays in? I, I, I said from, from preseason on, that this is going to be my guy who if I'm betting on one person to just sneak into the first round and just all of a sudden start rising from workouts, not, not as high as Josh Primo rose last year, but like that type of name that like we go, Holy smokes, he won the first round. Like that's my guy. 
that that that's been my bet all year. So like he goes to the combine, plays in the scrimmages, and goes off. And yeah, he like, just okay. he goes somewhere between twenty and thirty, and everybody's like, "But you still have all these other top names on the board, and you went with him." Like, yeah, that'd be my guy. Yeah, I mean, the the crazy thing about this class is, you know, we just did a mock of the top thirty for the first round, and I really do think there's like an order of the top 40 that it, there's just like 40 guys that could all sneak into that first round. Like just because we had these guys not going in, like we could easily do another mock in a week and have five of those guys up there. Like, um, you know, McGowan's didn't even go in the first. That's your boy, right? That, that, Nathan? that is my boy. So like, that and we've had boy. McGowan's in every first round mock draft and it's not like he couldn't go 20th. Like Nathan was talking earlier. Like it's just sometimes, we're trying to sh- shake it up. Like I've been having Mark Williams on five different mock drafts. I want to kind of change it up. And I just think there's, this is going to be a really interesting, that 20 to 35 range, I think can go in so many different ways right now. And the tournament's going to be big. Um, if guys can put on some strong performances, it's definitely going to heat up their stock. Pre-draft workouts are going to be massive. So Yeah. It's a fun one. I agree. I agree. Like that, my the one through twenty on my board is pretty solidified at this point. Like Jovic would be the back end of that. He'd be twenty for me. But then past that, like twenty-one to all the way out to sixty, and, and I have like fifteen names past that. So it's like twenty-one to seventy-five. I just don't know how much real difference there is between those guys. It's just really a matter of personal preference and team need. Yeah, it, it's going to be messy. There are going to be a lot of picks that make us shake our heads and ones we are absolutely ecstatic about uh but fellas this was a lot of fun thank you for the time nathan where where can the people find you where can they support you please plug away you can follow me on twitter at draft deeper you can subscribe to the draft deeper podcast wherever you get it apple podcast spotify youtube and keep following us at no ceilings i know that Rucker's about to plug our, our brand new fancy shiny url go for it yeah, we're 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 getting we're becoming adults. We're now at uh no ceilingsmba.com. Shout out Substack for helping us uh put that URL to make it a little custom. So yeah, we're we're uh we're taking some big steps. We're getting ready for March Madness. Um personally I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker and I'm doing all this fun stuff with these guys. Nathan, thank you for joining us. It, it felt wrong to do a mock draft without you. And um, Metcalf, you plug yourself away because I know we're going to have another episode Thursday. That yeah, you're the host. God. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, I, I talk plenty, but I, I am Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. And like these guys said, please make sure to subscribe to no ceilings at no ceilings nba.com where you can find all of our written work and follow us on twitter at no ceilings nba all of our written work is completely free it gets delivered directly to your inbox there's zero excuse to not subscribe uh please also make sure to follow us on youtube at no ceilings tv where you can get a ton of free video content um and subscribing and supporting us there will help us out a lot in the long run If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.